0: Lord, we pray that this passage, well-known passage, the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead, what an incredible miracle, as we shall see. Lord, we turn our ears to heaven's frequency this morning. We want to hear what's in your heart concerning this biblical passage. So, Lord, I pray that we'd all have ears to hear what is in your heart that you want to speak to us personally today. You are a personal Savior. So speak to us loud and clear, Lord. And as I again sound the shofar, I pray that your voice would be clear, our hearts would be still and ready to receive. so thankful that you're a God who is still speaking. You're still revealing. Your word is bringing revelation of Jesus Christ. Your word is bringing revelation of truth. Let your truth go forth this day that we might be made Worse. Mary and Martha would immediately turn to Jesus for help. The sisters sent to him saying Lord behold he whom you love is sick. Now they fully knew that Jesus could heal because they had personally seen his miracles. They knew that he was compassionate and that he loved Lazarus. They were sure, they were absolutely certain that he would come and that he would heal their brother. Now what do you think Jesus did upon hearing this news? What do you think he did? What do you think was the first thing he did? you can make a mistake. What do you think was the first thing Jesus would do? prayed He prayed He prayed. He prayed until he received clear direction. "Father, what do you want me to do? He may not have prayed that out loud or he may have excused himself after he heard that and went to say, "Father, how what I?" in the presence of no other ears other than the father's." And there's a life lesson right here for us today. Now I'm going to be doing a little bit something different today, something I used to do a long time ago, but I felt the Lord put it in my heart that this needs to be resurrected today. And that is that we're going to have 11 slides that will be up here that I think is worthwhile for you to pen to a piece of paper so your memory can function more than just this morning. When we are faced with a decision, immediately go to the Father in prayer. Immediately. Every decision, Lord, which one of these should I get? Which pastry should I get? I tell you, we're better off praying. He may say the one with less calories. We don't know how he's going to guide, but it's a blessing to him that we're that dependent. Father, What would you have me to do with this request? Go to the Father. Go to the Father, first and foremost. He went to the Father. When he heard this request, Father, what do I do? Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He. Direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. I love how when it says, Do not lean on your own understanding. Did you hear that? Did you really hear that? You know, the older we get, the more confidence we put in our past experiences. I'm sorry this type is a bit small for you to be able to see, but that's what it says. The older we get, the more confidence we put in our past experiences. We need to pray, Holy Spirit, please help us to pattern our lives to reflect these verses in Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. As wise as you think you are, God is a lot wiser. And do not be wise in your own eyes. And the older we get, the stronger the temptation to rely on our past wisdom. Jesus looked to the Father for leading and direction all throughout the day. He was God-dependent. And I pray that in this season of our lives, the Holy Spirit will help us all to become more like Jesus in our dependence upon our God. To the degree that we love and trust the Lord, to that degree, fear will no longer have room in our souls. I'll repeat that. It's on the board. To the degree that we love and trust the Lord, to that same degree, fear will no longer have room in our souls. So, if we have absolute love and trust in God, fear has gone. All fear. Now, let's look at verse 4 in our passage. Excuse me. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, there may have been a time lapse between verse 3 and verse 4. I think Jesus, I believe often he left the group and wanted to have a private talk with Father. And while he was talking with Father, Lord, what do I do? Father, what do I say? Do I go now? Immediately, what the Father said was, This sickness is not unto death, but it's to the glory of God. That's what God spoke to him when he said, What do I do? The Son of God is going to be glorified through this. Friends, any and every trial we face, can bring glory to God. That's the next slide. I can tell I'm going to need to make it type larger. Good. good. Yeah, I thought it yes, that is good. Yeah. Any and every trial we face can bring glory to God. Why? Because God can be bring good out of any situation. As we all know in Romans 8.28. Every trial Every difficult situation, God can get glory in it. I want you to consider the trials of Joseph in the book of Genesis. And he had years of trouble. Years. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. Falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He spent years in prison, unjustly. But Joseph learned to see from God's eternal perspective. And after their father died, Joseph said to his brothers, As for you, you meant what you did against me for evil. But God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save the lives of many people. Again, I say every trial that we face can result in glory to God. Every single one. Now, let's look at verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now Jesus loved this family. And he often stayed with them. He knew their pain, but he did not respond immediately to their request. His delay had a specific purpose. And God's timing, and especially his delays may make us think that he's not answering or he's refusing to respond to our request. But it's vital that we patiently wait for his perfect timing. I want to recommend a really great book. This is the next slide. It's The Fire of Delayed Answers by Bob Sorge. Uh, We we got this book when we needed it the most. At that particular time, we were living in Haifa, Israel. We had a phenomenal amount of things that we were facing that were difficult. And the Lord graciously put this book into our possession. It has helped us greatly. And Bob Sorge did a terrific job. man that has suffered much for many years tremendous insight and because it has helped us so much I'm, I'm weaving some of his insights into this message today I like how Bob, Bob writes that every promise and prayer is dated I had never heard that insight before every promise and answered prayer is dated I like that God knows the day that we made the request. He knows the situation that we were in when we made it. And he knows the day and the hour when it will be answered. God's timing is always perfect for the fulfillment of the promise or his answer to the prayer. But because we do not understand God's ways of working and his timing, we often think that he either did not hear, does not care, or refuses to respond to us. To give you an example, when I turned 30, Wow, that was a lot time. <laughs> When I turned 30, I went on an extended retreat in Illinois. And I went to fervently seek the Lord as to whether or not the Lord had me married. I was weighing two things at that time becoming a Catholic priest or getting married. Those are two big differences. And I, wanted, and I wanted both of them. I wanted to be a priest and I wanted to marry. But I finally had gotten to the place of where I left the choice with God. But it was during that retreat that God showed me in a in a marvelous way that marriage was in fact in my future. And as soon as I really knew that in my heart, that made me want to marry even more. Well, I had a few relationships that could have been promising. But I never had that deep peace or that inner witness that I had found God's choice for me. Our Father knows what and who is best for us. And that season of waiting was very humbling to me. Next insight you can write down waiting is one of the most humbling things we do. And God is exalted when we embrace humility. It's so one of the most humbling things we do, is wait. There were times when I questioned what God had told me in that retreat. Years later, when I was still single. And there were also times when I questioned about God's care for me. Lord, can't you see all my friends are getting married? They were all married by the time they were 30. I was 41. Hmm. Well, how foolish I was in questioning God. His timing is always, always perfect. His answer and provision for me was almost 12 years after I received the promise on that retreat. 12 years. But I met his choice for me when I went to South Africa. And friends, God gives his best To those who leave the choice to Him. That's worth writing up. God gives His best to those who leave the choice to Him. The blessing of Janet in my life was well worth the wait of 12 years. The truth is, all of us have had to wait on the Lord concerning prayers and promises, all of us. But every one of our biblical heroes had to learn the same way. They had to learn patience as they waited for answers to their prayers and God's promises. So, beloved, we're in good company. If all the heroes in the Bible had to do this, we're in great company. We're going through the same things that they had to. I want you to listen to King David. I want you to hear his emotional and his physical and his mental stress that he was in in Psalm 13 how long O oh God how long O oh Lord will you forgive me forever how long will you hide your face from me how long shall I take counsel in my own soul having sorrow in my heart daily how long will my enemy be exalted over me In two verses, David asks, How long? Four times. He is desperate. He's at the end of his patience. Now it's the patience of the Lord that will take over. You see, God is allowing each of us to come to the end of our natural goodness. The end of our patience, the end of our love, so that we can love the unlovable and unlikable. He's looking to push us to the limit of our natural abilities so that the God abilities can kick in and take charge. Have you ever wondered why God allows financial or physical or emotional stress to come upon us? Well, in my 50 plus year journey in the kingdom, I've discovered that God uses distresses And delays to stoke the flame of our zeal for the Lord. As we actively wait on God, as we're diligently seeking Him, searching the Scriptures, and praying fervently, where there is no distress, Christianity becomes complacent. Next insight the zeal for Jesus in the earthly church was strengthened by the fire of resistance against her. That zeal only increased. It was magnified in that early church, it was strengthened and fortified. It became their stronghold by that fire of resistance that came against her. Okay, back to John 11 down in verse 33 it reads therefore when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping he groaned in the spirit and he was troubled wow who can comprehend the depth of the Lord's human emotions at this moment one of his closest friends is near death and now has died, and he sees them all weeping. He was face to face with death, the stronghold of Satan. And not only was he confronting the power of darkness, right then, right then, right there, he was also surrounding, he was surrounded by unbelieving grief. Power of darkness and unbelieving grief. And in the midst of that, he had the faith to make that proclamation Lazarus, come forth. Wow. Now I hear someone's got their. I know, and it won't shut off. Oh. I'm uh-huh. We need a high tech person to be allowed. Yeah. Where's the ones? Hunter, can you go over there and give her a hand if she needs it? Yeah. Well, the beauty was Jesus saw the depth of the need with everyone crying. So he even joined that agony. He wept openly. And perhaps he empathized with their grief. Or he wept for the sickness that Lazarus had endured. Or perhaps he was troubled at the unbelief that was all around him. Well, whatever the case, Jesus showed all of us that he cares enough to weep with us in the midst of our sorrow. That's why tears are holy. And yet I grew up in an environment, and you probably did too, especially I addressed this to us men. When I was little, I would hear people say, Big boys don't cry. Uh, Did anyone never hear that? Gip, you never heard that? Oh, you did hear it. He didn't hear that. (laughs) Big boys don't cry. Listen, men of God cry often. That's why the shortest verse in the Bible, God wants to drive home a huge revelation. Jesus wept and weeping on behalf of blessed are those who mourn if we weep for not just our sin but for other sins we're blessed we're going to inherit the earth we're going to inherit the kingdom in a greater fashion Hmm. here we see Jesus' emotions his compassion his indignation his sorrow and maybe even his frustration. What God wants us to understand is that Jesus fully understands and he expressed deep emotion. He didn't hide his emotion. He expressed it. And we should never be afraid to reveal our feelings to him. Never. Now let's look at verses 38 and 39. Then Jesus again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Now, Jewish tradition holds that within three days the soul leaves the body after death the human body noticeably begins to corrupt after three days but after four days there was no chance that Lazarus could ever live again Jewish thought was three days max this is four so Martha was correct in her assessment the stench of rotting flesh is horrible The body of the deceased was anointed with scented oils like frankincense and myrrh to overcome the terrible odor. So, why did Jesus allow this suffering and death and grief to be experienced by people he dearly loved? He had already proven that he could heal. Now he would demonstrate that he could resurrect a dead person after being proclaimed dead four days. This was the miracle that made the Jewish leaders livid, vivid, livid. I'll get it. Livid toward Jesus. They hated him to the full because of this miracle. This was the ultimate miracle in that day. The ultimate. Four days. And that day at the tomb was a defining time for both Jesus and his future. Because this miracle or sign that Jesus calls uh, that John calls it, it had two strong and opposing effects among the people. Some believed in him while others wanted to kill him. Look at verse 45. It says that many of the Jewish people believed in him after seeing these things. Many came to faith. This miracle was astounding. In verse 53, from that day on, the spiritual leaders plotted to put him to death. Wow. You know, if you're like me, we often say, Lord, Lord, please make me more like Jesus. What we forget, though, is that the character of Jesus is produced in us mainly by persevering under pressure. That's the next bullet point. The character of Jesus is produced in us mainly by persevering under pressure. So when we pray, change me, Lord, make me more like you. What we're really saying is, Lord, I'm prepared to persevere in the midst of difficult circumstances. And as you may know, it's a combination of heat and pressure that diamonds are developed. Combination of heat and pressure that diamonds are developed. Lastly, let's all turn to Luke 18. There's a great passage here, just a couple of verses, but they really fit right into where we are in this morning's message. Luke 18, verse 7 and 8 His elect cry out day and night him and he bears long with them and then he avenges them speedily it sounds like a paradox but this is one of God's ways he waits while we fervently pray day and night and then suddenly he answers suddenly he avenges us suddenly He heals or provides or gives us the guidance we need. He waits. And then suddenly He moves into action. And verse 8, repeating it, I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Those that have leaned upon Him day and night. Speedily He will avenge them. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes will he really find faith on the earth let me bring a little clarity jesus is asking will he find us strong in faith praying to god day and night and believing the answer will come in His perfect time the question is not will he find saving faith and for years i used to believe that He won't find any faith to believe on the earth. No, that's not what he's saying here. It's not saving faith. In other words, people being saved. But rather it's, will he find the kind of faith that insists on seeking God even when the answers are delayed? Will he find faith that trusts God and keeps praying until the answer and solution come last point even though God does not answer always answer quickly he never waits too long he does not always answer quickly but he never waits too long he waits as long as is necessary because <laughs> he sees the big picture he sees the eternal picture Hmm. But when the intended work and plan of God is complete, he acts speedily. Amazing. Hmm. He didn't go and heal Lazarus right away. He waited until he was in the tomb for four But then when he resurrected him, it was quickly, Lazarus, come forth! What a shock! I bet you could hear people's hearts beat. Let me just say that if you, you have been waiting a long time for God to answer some prayers or to fulfill a promise, Keep on praying. Keep on believing. That's the simple message. When God finally answers, you may be shocked as to how quickly the answer comes. Let's pray. That verse in Isaiah 8 comes to mind. And I will wait on the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob. Yet I will put all my hope and trust in him. Lord, I believe that All of us are waiting for some prayer to be answered. Some deep longing of our heart. And many of those things that we've waited for are big things in our hearts. They're not just some small thing. They're major issues. Greatest concerns. Lord, I pray there be release of faith and faithfulness. Lord, that we would believe you. You do have a perfect timing. There is a set time for the answer to come. There is a set time for the promise to be manifested. It has yet to come, but we've seen answers and fulfillments in the past. Lots of them. But Lord, when we're concentrated on one that is yet to be answered too often, that gets all the attention. But Lord, we want to remember how faithful you've been in the past. What a God. You've healed us. You've healed loved ones. You've given promises. You've been absolutely amazing. So Lord, in this Thanksgiving season, we just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for how faithful you've been. And forgive us for losing faith so easily or begin to question and doubt, just like I did on the retreat, or just like I did years later, without seeing the answer, without seeing the promise. Does God really care for me? Doesn't he see the anguish that I'm going through? Yes, he does. He does care, and he does see but he's seen from an eternal perspective there is no time in eternity and father knows best So, Lord we want to surrender again to you the prayer that's been in our hearts that we get to see the answer we want to surrender the promise the precious promise that you've given, that darts of doubt have looked come. Lord, today we take out every dart of doubt, every questioning of God, and we just say, Lord, I fully put my hope and my trust in you all throughout the waiting time because you are a great God you're a perfect God who answers in perfect timing so thank you Lord for building up our faith today and strengthening our faithfulness to you to keep on praying and keep on believing even though we see no answer we don't even see a hint of an answer it's all right Continue in faith and faithfulness for God is aware perfectly of the situation and in the set time the answer and the promise will come quickly. Thank you for your encouragement of this this morning, Lord. We love you. We bless you. We glorify you. Amen. Okay, we've got about uh, seven, eight minutes. How about if we do this? What did God speak to your heart this morning in this message? You might look at your notes or something, something stood out somewhere. Share that around the table. And please, be brief in your sharing because there are about six or seven around each table. All right, God bless you.